and strength and uh, yeah I I can't imagine what they're going through but just praying that they would remain faithful and that God would be with them so if you'll stand with me this morning we're going to read from Psalm 119 the word of the Lord to us this morning starting in verse 17 And the word of the Lord says to us this morning, Deal bountifully with your servant, that may live and keep your word. Open my eyes, that I may behold wonderful things from your law. I'm a stranger in the earth. Do not hide your commandments from me. My soul is crushed with longing after your ordinances at all times. You rebuke the arrogant and the cursed who wander from your commandments. Take away reproach and contempt from me, for I observe your testimonies. Even though princes sit and talk against me, your servant meditates on your statutes. Your testimonies also are my delight. They are my counselors. Lord, I pray that we would find you as our source of strength and hope and peace. Lord, that we would not turn to others for those things, or that ultimately we would be dependent upon you. Lord, I pray that you would give me this morning clarity and wisdom as I preach, that your word would come forth, that we would be encouraged and strengthened by your word, Lord, this morning. Thank you that you're a faithful God and that your word is true. Work in our hearts this morning that we would hear your word, not just to know, but to apply your word to our lives, to awaken a longing for you and your word. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Be seated. So the last two messages, we've, we're, we're going to remember our Hebrew lesson, right? We've had Aleph and Bet, and now we have Gimel. So G in the, uh, our G would be a different alphabetical letter, but in Hebrew it's the third letter. And so as we start the Gimel section, we've seen what a blessed man is and how they are blessed in the first section. And then last time we saw that the psalmist was doing those things because he desired relationship with the Lord and therefore blessing from the Lord. It's impossible to take those two apart. And now in this section, we're going to see a dependent psalmist on the Lord. We can think of the message this morning by the title, Dependent Upon God. Dependent Upon God. And we see this dependence, especially in verses 17 and 18. And this this passage that we're looking at today is pairs. So 17 and 18... 19 and 20, 
21 and 22, 23 and 24. And so they're alternating as well. So if you look at verse 17 and 18, those correspond to 21 and 22. And then 19 and 20 correspond to 23 and 24. And we'll see, we'll look at them in that order instead of in the order that they're given. So let's start in verse 17 and 18. So the psalmist begins with a realization that he needs the Lord. That he cannot, in his own strength, serve him. He needs the Lord to provide and empower him. So we can look at this first section as empowered by God for obedience. If you want a point. Empowered by God for obedience. So what is he seeking from the Lord so that he can obey. Because that's what he desires. He de- desires to obey the word of the Lord because he knows that that leads to blessing. He knows that that is how he keeps his heart pure before the Lord. He's not seeking to obey so that he can save himself. He's seeking to obey because he loves the Lord. And we see that in his longing for the Lord. So what does he do first? He first asks that God, verse 17, will deal bountifully or deal well with him or we might say deal fully give him all that he needs why because he's his servant right we see deal bountifully with your servant i'm your servant the psalmist is saying he's saying i'm your servant please deal fairly and fully with me give me all that i need to serve you why so that I may live. Is that where he stops? He says, live and keep your word. So is it just enough to live? I, I just, I just want to live the Lord. I, I want to live a good life. So that's, that's the whole reason that I want you to show me kindness, that I want you to show me your goodness. I want your blessing so that I can live. I don't think that's enough, right? As Christians, we realize it's not just enough to survive. I made it to the other side. I, I, I skimmed by, by a frog's hair. We have that expression, right? No frogs don't have hair. If you've ever uh, skinned one. <laughs> Making everybody hungry this morning. Um, <laughs> No, but he desires to be dealt bountifully with because he is a servant of the Lord and because he doesn't want to just live, he wants to live and keep God's word. Or that word keep again is the word for guard, to hold it tightly, to not let it go. He wants to keep God's word. He wants to live, not only just live like the world around him, he wants to live according to God's word. But he cannot do that if God does not do good to him. If God does not empower him. So when he says deal bountifully, he's saying strengthen me. Give me all that I need 
so that I can live a Christian life? That sounds like a... I feel like there's an answer in the New Testament. I have given you all that you need for life and godliness. Remember that passage? Everything that we need is in God's Word and it is given to us so that we can live a life that is pleasing to Him. So we don't have to concern ourselves with, well, if, if I go find this specific um, guru who will help me figure out how to live. No, because God's Word has given us what we need. Right? God's Word has given us life. But not just an everyday, normal life in the world, but a life that is thriving in the power of God. A life that is lived in the power of God's work in us to draw us to Himself. It's so easy for me to try to rely on myself and to think, well, at the last minute, okay, God, I'll come and have that conversation with you. But in reality, He's going to the Lord first. Isn't that interesting how this this psalm starts out with or this section starts out with him going to God. I need you. I can't do this on my own. You must deal bountifully with me. And secondly, he says in verse 18, open my eyes. So he needs the Lord not only to empower him with strength and the things that he needs, but he also needs the Lord to open his eyes. He realizes that his eyes are covered. This word open is the word that can be translated uncover or remove. So the psalmist realizes that his eyes are covered. They, they don't see fully that there's an impediment to him seeing what God has. And we know from the New Testament, that it says that there's a veil over the eyes of the unbeliever. But we need God, just as the psalmist, to open our eyes. What? So that I may behold wonderful things from your law. That he would look at God's law, his word. This word law is the word Torah. That, God, that the psalmist could look with us at God's law and see wonderful things. The beauties of God. God's law is a picture of God's character. That's why it's so important for us to not just read one section of the Bible. This is why it's so important to read the whole thing because we see God's character throughout the Bible. It's describing who God is, what Jesus did for us, and what we were as sinners. So when we... Ask God to open our eyes. We begin to see what the psalmist is going to see, the wonderful things that are in God's law. And it becomes wonderful to us. It's not just, oh, to read through Numbers again, if you've ever read Numbers, or Chronicles, I don't care who begat who, right? 
But we begin to see the unfolding. God actually cares about names. Right? Those begats, God has a lineage that He has chosen by name. He's not just worried about a whole group of Israel. He has a care for each individual person. So that's one of the things that we can see, for example, in Chronicles or even in Numbers. That God doesn't just look at us as a big group of people. That He's called us by name. So the psalmist needs the Lord. He's dependent upon the Lord, and in his dependence, he's crying out for God's goodness to him, his provision for him, and that God would open his eyes so that he may see the wonderful things that God has in his law. And we see this in verse 21 and 22, if you look at that. This is the, the opposite, right? This is what happens to those who aren't seeking to obey the Lord, right? Those who are disobedient. So we could say this is the second point, punishment against disobedience. Whereas we saw in verse 17 and 18, the psalmist empowered by God for obedience. So what happens to those who are disobedient, who are not seeking to obey God? Well, look at verse 21. It says, "Your are you who who's you? The Lord. You rebuke the arrogant, the cursed who wander from your commandments." This word Arrogant can also mean presumptuous. Those who think they are something. Those who don't need anything, right? We see this opposition, this dependence in verse 17 and 18. And now we see in verse 21 this self-righteous, proud person who doesn't need anything from God. They don't need the Lord to help them because God is a crutch. Have you ever heard that? You're a Christian because you need a crutch. That's what the world says all the time. Like, if you don't realize that you need a crutch, you're this, this is arrogance. We all need the Lord. The problem is, many of us are blind. Our eyes have not been opened and uncovered, so we choose to be arrogant. And because of that arrogance, we're presumptuous, And we're accursed. There's a curse upon us. Unless God opens our eyes, and unless God deals kindly towards us, we will not obey Him. When we're arrogant, and that curse is upon us, what happens? We see that in the second half of verse 21 who wander from your commandments. That's what these people are. They're, not only are they arrogant, they're under a curse, and they're wandering from God's commandments. 
And what is this a result of? Well, I, I notice the parallel here between this and verse 10. So if you look at verse 10 of Psalm 119, it says, With all my heart I have sought you. You see this longing and this, this intensity of heart to look after the Lord. And, the, and then what's the result? What's he asking the Lord? Do not let me wander from your commandments. So here's the problem. These arrogant ones, they're not searching for the Lord because they don't need Him. They don't think they don't need the Lord. So because they don't need the Lord, they're not going to obey His commands. And why would they go to His Word? Because they're not dependent upon it. But when we seek God with all of our heart, He keeps us from wandering away from His commands, from doing what is in opposition to His Word. Why do you think the devil wants us to remain in sin? Oh, you can't go back to the Lord because he knows that if you continue to feel separation from the Lord, then you'll continue to wander further and further away. That's why the devil tries to use our emotions oftentimes to keep us from repenting. That's why I think often you see, unfortunately, leaders in the church, men who get into affairs, and they let feelings drive what they know is wrong. Some feeling that they have is more important to them than God's Word, and so They wander from God's commandments because there's something else that is more important to them than God. And they're dependent upon that instead of God Himself. And we see in verse 22 something else. So not only is there a curse on those and a rebuking against those who are wandering from God's commandments, who are arrogant, but also in verse 22 we see him asking the Lord, take away reproach and contempt from me. Or this word contempt can be translated shame. Take away the shame. Where does this come from? What does this come from? Well, I think we see in the second half of this verse, why should God do this? This reproach and this shame that comes upon a man? For I observe your testimonies. I don't need to be ashamed anymore. I don't need to suffer your reproach because I'm following after you with all my heart. You don't feel guilt when you're following after the Lord. It's when you fall into sin. I hope we feel guilt when we fall into sin. Because it's easy in our lives to assume that we're good just because we don't feel guilt. But sometimes we're in sin and we have been hardened to sin, so we don't 
repent. And we see this paralleled in verse 6. If you look back, this idea of shame. Look at verse 6, it says, Then I shall not be ashamed. When? When will this happen? When I look upon all your commandments. But the psalmist isn't just looking at God's commandments as, Oh, isn't that a beautiful statue with the Ten Commandments on it? No, he's looking to God's commandments for hope, and for strength and for the purpose of applying God's word to his life. He's not just going to God's law and saying, oh, that, that looks nice. No, this is his life. This is what gives him hope and peace. And so he is desiring above all things to observe God's law. And he knows that when he observes God's law, he will not be ashamed. He will not be reproached and have contempt upon him. That's the result of sin. When we have guilt and shame, it is a sign to turn back to the Lord, to not give in to sin, and to not continue to live in it. So we see these, this difference between The psalmist who's dependent upon the Lord. He's observing God's law. He's asking God to help him. I can't do this on my own. I need you to open my eyes. I need to see my sin so that I can repent. I need to have your strength in me so that I can overcome sin. And then we see on the opposite side these arrogant, proud, boastful people who are unwilling to follow God, and so they're wandering from His commandments. God's reproach and contempt and rebuke is upon them. They, they're cursed, and they refuse to obey God's Word. We see this picture, and it really does paint a picture of this world and the church. It should. There are some churches who We've discussed before that refuse to speak against sin. They refuse to deal with things that are going on in the church, living together outside of marriage, adultery, pornography, lying, dishonesty. You just name the list. It it doesn't stop. We... As a church, we must deal with sin individually and as a body. If, if someone is continuing to live in sin and they re- refuse to repent and turn from their sin, then there should be discipline. Not because we don't love that person, but it's just like me with my children. I get lied to more often than I thought I would especially by a a specific child. But I don't just let her go her way. 
So now you got four kids, not naming names. <laughs> I don't let them just live in their sin. We deal with it. It's one of the disciplines they, they know if they lie to me that they will get multiple spankings because that's one thing I will not tolerate in our house is lying. And so I discipline them because I know what happens. If, that, if my children continue to lie to me, what will happen? I won't trust them and eventually they will not be able to tell the truth from a lie. And so I deal with lying and disobedience. Not because I don't love my children, but because I want my children to be good citizens of our country. I also am praying that God would save them so that they can be ambassadors of Him in our world. But discipline is necessary, right? In Hebrews it says, A father who spares his son, discipline, does not love him. That's a paraphrase. But if we are unwilling to discipline in the church, we fall into the same sin as many parents in our world. And they wonder why their kids are wild. I thought kids were wild because they didn't get disciplined, but now I realize that they're wild naturally, and discipline changes that. Just wait till you get on a plane with a two, a one and a half to two year old. When I was single and got on a plane and uh, saw this family, it was actually just one kid, and it was awful. I thought, my kid will never do that. Uh, not so much. You can't really discipline on an airplane discreetly. People are a little bit too close. And the time that I did, I, it's kind of hard to spank a child in a, a bathroom in a, uh, an airplane, especially if the child is uh, long, uh, has a good lung capacity, <laughs> if you know what I mean. But... It's so easy to think, well, a child is disobedient because they didn't receive discipline. Yes and no. Children are naturally disobedient. We're sinners by nature. We don't ha- I don't have to train my kids to lie. The first time my ch- children lied to me, I thought they were telling the truth, and then I found out that they were lying. I didn't have to teach my kids to disobey me. They chose to disobey me because they have their own will that they want to do despite what I said, or what Megan said. And as Christians, if we aren't seeking after the Lord, by the way, we'll be wandering from the Lord. There's no in-between. We can't just be on the fence and think, well, we'll, we're going to be okay because we're, we're not, you know, running after sin. But we're not running after the Lord. There's, there's no middle way for the Christian life. We can't, we can't settle for a partial Christianity. We need to be running after the Lord. And I, I have to admit, I long to be more like that. To have more of a desire for the Lord. Are we 
crying out to the God, to the Lord in dependence? Or are we in arrogance saying, well, I don't need the Lord, I'll do it on my own? It's a question we need to, to consider today. Are we asking Him to open our eyes? To do good to us? If we're not dependent upon the Lord, we will wander away. So whatever we need to do to learn dependence, we should seek to do that. Now the second set of pairs, we see one of the reasons why the psalmist is so dependent. So look at with me at verse 19 and 20. It says, I am a stranger in the earth. Do not hide your commandments from me. My soul is crushed with longing after your ordinances at all times. Why is the psalmist so dependent? Because he realizes something that many in the church don't. That the world absolutely doesn't realize. We are aliens. This word stranger can be an alien, not like E.T., alien. Like aliens, we are not from this world. We are of another kingdom. Right? We are strangers, pilgrims, like Abraham. We're just passing through. We're, we're not here for eternity on this earth. And because we're strangers, we need the Lord because He's our King. Our King is not whoever the president happens to be, whoever is the greatest ruler in our world at this moment. Our king is the Lord. And so if the Lord is our king, then we're going to encounter circumstances that are not favorable to us. Just think about strangers when they come into a small town. Everybody starts talking about them. Oh, did you see that person? They just moved here. Shelbyville is not small anymore. But the town that I live, I'm sure they talk about us. Like, did you see that family with all those kids? I don't know. But as strangers, people will look at us differently. And the reason why we're strangers is because we're of a different kingdom. When we have been born again, we are now not only children of God, but joint heirs with Christ. And one day we will reign and rule with Him. But we're strangers here. And because we're strangers, we need to cry out to the Lord like the psalmist. Again, we see this dependency right here in verse 19. Do not hide your commandments from me. This is almost a replica of open my eyes. Right? Not only does he want the Lord to uncover his eyes, but he doesn't want the Lord to hide 
God, His Word and His commands from Him. Don't hide them from me. Don't let me have to search all over for them. Open my eyes so that I can see and don't hide your commands from me. I'm a stranger in the earth. I need you. I need them to be plain. I don't need them to be hidden. In verse 20, this description, this language that is used is pretty, not graphic in a bad way, but the picture that it paints is very strong. He says, my soul is crushed. Usually when we think of a crushed soul, we think of um, depression, right? Somebody who's depressed. This word could also be translated consumed. I think that's a better use in this. So my soul is consumed. It's under pressure. It's desiring with longing after your ordinances at all times. The psalmist can't get enough of God's word and his commands because he knows that when he is in God's Word, and he's living by God's Word, he is experiencing God at his fullest. Like we talked about last week, the thing that keeps us from intimacy with God is sin. Right? So when we are living according to God's Word through the power of the Holy Spirit, we experience a greater longing for Him because we enjoy His presence. We enjoy that time in His Word because we're learning of Him and applying His Word to our lives. I read this passage and it really convicts me, honestly, because I can't say that my soul is crushed and consumed like that. I want it to be. I think this is why the psalmist is saying these things. He, he longs for this, and so he needs the Lord to be good to him and to open his eyes and to not hide his commands from him because he wants to find his Lord's ordinances. Or this word can be translated judgments or rules. It's interesting when... You talk to someone about sin, they say, judge not lest you be judged. Right? Have you heard that expression? But then, if their team is playing a sports game, <clears throat> and let's, let's, I'm trying to think of a sport that we, we probably all know basketball here, right? So, let's say their sports team is playing basketball against their arch nemesis, and the referee fails to make a call according to the rules, those very same people are like, oh, they won because they cheated. Right? You're like, you're judging the referee on their unwillingness to make the call that you wanted. But as Christians... It's a similar thing, right? 
God will judge sin. The difference is God will not miss sin like a, an official might miss a call in a game. We don't love rules unless they are to our benefit, right? Now, if the rule was you get a big tub of ice cream for eating your dinner, oh, I like that rule, right? We love those rules. But when the rules don't seem to benefit us, if you go out into the front yard... When we told you to play in the backyard, you have to come inside. That's our rule at our house. Well, at least some part of the road now that we have a fence. But all that to say, they have a rule. You can't play in the front yard without mommy and daddy being out there because people drive too fast on the road in front of our house. So our kids don't truly understand how good that rule is for them. Because we want them to live. But it actually does benefit them because if they aren't out in the front yard and somehow get into the street, they will live. They will be okay. But they don't see that. And it, that's often what God is doing in His Word. He doesn't give us just generic commands so that we can feel like, oh, we got to do that. No, he, he cares for us and He knows He created our world and we should long, like the psalmist, for the Lord's ordinances at all times. Why? Because we know that God, this is where faith comes in, right? Because faith and obedience are together. You can't separate the two. Because when we take Obedience away from faith, that's not faith. So the, the reason that we long for, and our soul is crushed with longing for the ordinances of God, is because we know that God has our best in mind. That's what faith means. So when we believe that God loves us so much that what He asks us to do, commands us to do, will be for our best, we begin to long for Him and long for His Word. Long for what He says for us. Not because, oh, I've got to do that now. No, not because we're trying to be legalistic. But because we know that God loves us, we desire with all our hearts to know His Word and to apply it to our lives. Do we want to know God's commands? Are we longing as though our soul was crushed under a weight to know the Lord's ordinances? We should be because we're strangers in the earth. We don't live by this world's rules. Yes, we seek to obey the ones that are in line with our convictions as Christians, but in reality, our supreme authority is in heaven. And because we're strangers in the earth, 
We aren't afraid of being canceled. That's the new phrase, right? Cancel culture. So I decided to use that for the second half of these pairs. So 19 and 20 and now 23 and 24. The psalmist is not afraid of being canceled. He's not afraid of being the object of cancellation. We see this in verse 23. He says, Even though princes sit and talk against me, your servant meditates on your statutes. So even though Justin Trudeau and uh, Macron from France and Merkel, is it Merkel? In Germany, even though they're talking against me, you know, they're blowing up my tweet field, which never happened to me, but (laughs) even though they're talking against me, I'm not going to pay attention to that. I'm not going to ignore it. Yeah, I know it's going on, but I am meditating on your word. I care what your word says more than what they say. You know, the psalmist, he's a king, and this idea of princes is rulers. The rulers around me, they're they're trying to figure out a way to destroy me. They're talking about me behind my back, or even probably so that he would hear it, just as though a world leader today Even though all these men, even princes, even the rulers of this world were to talk to me, talk about me this way, to speak against me, your servant. I am your servant. This is the key. He's God's servant. Are we his servant? Your servant meditates on your statutes. He's not mulling over Merkel's tweet or Macron's tweet or hopefully not Trudeau's tweet. He doesn't care who's tweeting. I know this is a little bit redundant, but I think this makes sense. It made sense to me because we just see how even our previous president was quick to respond to tweets. Right? Very emotional in the way that he would tweet back. And it's not gone away. I mean, our current president does some things too. So it's not, I'm not for either, just so you know. I'm for the Lord's will to be done. So I'm not picking a party. But we see that the world today is so quick to respond to what someone is saying about them. I see this even in the Christian community. There was some controversy last year with some professors at my, my, the seminary I went to. And it was amazing the ones who were quick to fight back. Quick to defend themselves instead of saying, you know what, you want to say these things about me? That's your business. I don't have time for this. 
I don't have time to meditate on every word that you said about me. I will meditate on the word of the Lord. This is, if there's any advice that we can have as Christians in the world we live in today, this is one of the best that I think we can take to heart, especially in today's culture where people are quick to judge, shockingly, quick to judge Christians, but then when you turn around and talk about sin, oh, don't you talk to me about that, right? Don't talk to me about what sin is. Judge not. It's amazing how non-Christians suddenly know Scripture, (laughs) right? When they don't want you to speak against sin. But what are we meditating on? Are we meditating? We've, we talked about this some last week, but I, I just want to hit this home again. Are we meditating on the things of this world? What our president has said about Christians or whatever may be? What world rulers are saying about those who won't do what they want to do? Are we meditating on what CNN and Fox and... I don't care what the news service is. There's no unbiased news service. News flash. Breaking news right here. Bias is in every journalistic person on the planet. Just some make it very clear where their bias is at. If any journalist tells you that they're unbiased, you should just walk away because they're lying. And you shouldn't trust a liar. So, (laughs) anyways. But what are we meditating on? Is is the news our, our place that we meditate? Maybe it's Twitter or Facebook or YouTube or Instagram, TikTok. I don't get on there. I don't know how you can meditate on uh, how how long do the videos have to be there? I don't I don't even know. Snapchat, maybe you meditate on Snapchat. No, we need to meditate on God's Word because the more that God's Word is in us, we see, well, no wonder these people are speaking against us. We're strangers. We're not from this earth. We were of this earth, but God has brought us out so that we can serve Him. So many Christians have, or people who have claimed Christ have walked away because of this very problem. Because people have spoken a certain way about them and now they're just giving up. They're walking away. Because they don't, they didn't, they weren't planning to be persecuted. They were, they thought it would be an easy, you know, just say a prayer and they think it's like a Cinderella story, happily ever after. They've been watching too many Disney uh, princess movies, right? Yeah, once you get married, it's all good. There's, there's never an argument. Shocker. They happen. <laughs> but God, God saved us not so that we could have an easy life, but so that we could live in dependence upon Him and have victory over the devil. But the more we meditate on God's Word, the more we're thinking about God's Word, 
than the troubles of this world, what people are saying about us begins to matter less and less because we care more about His kingdom than we care about our own reputation. Yeah, it's hard when people lie about you. Make up things that aren't true. But when we're meditating on the Lord's Word, we realize there will always be those who want to lie and to disparage us, to put us down. You know what else the psalmist does in verse 24? He says, Your testimonies also are my delight. So I'm meditating on your statutes and your testimonies are my delight. I, I delight in them. They are my counselors. Literally, this word counselors is, a trans, is men of my counsel. Or my men of counsel. Right, counselors. So instead of going to men to get counsel, he's going to God's word, his testimonies, his statutes. That's where his counsel comes from. Not that we shouldn't have counselors in this earth, but if your counselors aren't giving you advice from God's word or based upon God's word, we should be careful to heed. Careful not to heed the, the, the advice that doesn't come from the Word. Because there are plenty of people out there ready to give counsel. Just get on Facebook and ask a question. Right? You know, I want to know, how, how do you feel about this? Just put a controversial topic up and see uh, how many responses you get. You'll probably have the most commented uh, post that you've had all year if you can put up the right the right information. You might even start a war on your Facebook comment section if you get the right people arguing. The psalmist, he's meditating on God's Word because he delights in God's testimonies and he realizes that his best counsel comes from God's Word. He's not going to God second. He's not listening to what the princes around him are saying and saying, oh yeah, I'll just listen to them. They're counseling against me, but I'll listen to them because that'll fix the problem. No, he is going to the Lord first. That is his supreme source. Is the Lord our source? Is it, is it really God's word that we go to? Or are we running to other means to receive counsel? Again, I am not saying we shouldn't receive counsel from one another in the church because the church is here for the purpose of building up. But too often we allow the circumstances of this life to overwhelm and to overrun us. Because we're not running to God's Word, we're running from one person to the next, and we're getting bad counsel, but we don't know that because we don't know what God's Word says. 
Seek the Lord first. And it may be that he gives you good counsel from somewhere else as well to confirm his word. But his word should be our primary source and not the other way around. So if we desire to be obedient, if we desire to show our dependence upon God for obedience, we have to recognize that it is God who does it in us. That's why we need the Holy Spirit. Ezekiel 36 is clear. He will give us a new heart and a new spirit, and He will cause us, cause, not, He will cause us to walk in all His ways. When His Spirit is in us, it transforms our hearts so that we desire like the psalmist did. <coughs> but we, we need each other, yes. We need to be encouraging one another with the Word of the Lord. Right? When somebody's discouraged, we've been meditating in God's Word and we're able to help one another. You're struggling with suffering and Okay, Lord, I don't understand why these things are going on. I would encourage you. Psalm 73. Read Psalm 73. Read the story of Job. Maybe you're struggling with your salvation. Oh, you need to read this. In God's Word. We're, we're pointing one another to God's Word because we realize that when we are encouraging one another, we're keeping one another from falling. That's what Hebrews chapter 3 talks about. And this faithfulness is necessary because obedience, obedience, uh, obedience, I can't even say it. Obedience less faith is not faith. It's just faithlessness with a faulty definition. And if we refuse to recognize the connection between obedience and faith, it's like refusing to believe that we have to inhale to breathe. It just doesn't work. So the question is, are we in faith seeking the Lord, realizing that He loves us, crying out to Him, Lord, I need Your help. I need You to deal bountifully with me. Open my eyes. Because I want to see the wonderful things in your law. But I can't see them because my eyes are still covered. I need to be shown afresh. Don't hide your commandments from me. I, I'm a stranger in this earth. I can't do this on my own. So I leave you with this. What, what are we meditating on? Who are our counselors? Or what is our counsel? Where is it coming from? Because if our counsel is coming from people who are not Christians, oftentimes that will lead us astray. If God's Word is not our primary source of counsel and wisdom, eventually we will wander from His commands.
Let's pray. Father, I pray that you would bless each of us with a hunger and thirst for your word. That we would long and delight in your word. We would delight in you, and that would cause us to dig into your word. Or cause us to meditate upon your word. To seek you for counsel. Lord, put godly people in our lives who we can draw from, who will point us to your word. Encourage us and encourage, help us to, as a church to encourage one another with your word. Because we're spending time in your word. We're spending time with you. Because we long to be with you. Lord, your word gives life. But not just life, an abundant life, a life where hope and peace and joy abound. Not because everything around us is going well, but because we know that we can trust you. Lord, help us as a church to be lights, ambassadors of the kingdom you've brought us into. That as strangers, we would meditate on your word and not be afraid of what others think of us. Give us courage, Lord, to stand for truth. Give us wisdom to speak truth. Pray this now in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, I hope you're not tired of messages about the Word. <laughs> We've got a few more left. I'll probably do a message on something else next week, but um, we'll see. But I hope that the, this, this series will give us a, a renewed longing for the not only the word of the Lord, but for the Lord Himself, that we desire to live according to His word. Not because we want to earn our salvation, but because we love Him. And we want to have that intimacy that comes with that. So, have a blessed day, and we will see you all next Sunday. If you get bored, we, we have a pool. You can come visit us in Hopkinsville, but... <laughs> so appreciate prayers for our trip so we'll see you